The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in. A lot to get to today. ESPN College Football has released their tiers. Not T-E-A-R-S, but tiers. Ranking all 130 college football teams. We'll get you where Nebraska falls and what category the tier is titled. Brandon Vogel's coming up in 15 minutes. Danny Burke, pride of Chicago. Burke's best bets, a 440 time. We have an extended sit-down with uh, Baltimore Ravens punter Sam Cook. So the pride of Seward will uh, join us uh, coming up at 525. And we'll kick off Hour 2 with Gary Barnett. We'll get into uh, his take on the transfers. What's the reality here with uh, the Coach Lubick situation with the Montana State gig? And uh, plenty to get into. Some pretty interesting commentary, too, by uh, World Herald writer Dirk Chatlin with uh, Scott Frost. And uh, a lot to get into with uh, just uh, more Nebraska football news. So, Damon, have you checked out Twitter, my friend? Yeah, I have. Uh, At Damon Barr, that's it. two R's. At Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt for Twitter. And. Listen, it's been a tumultuous couple of weeks with transfers and the portal, and you have some sniping going on and questions, right? I mean, you go back the last 48 hours, half the reaction's been what's going on with the program, and dude, if you don't want to be here, see ya. I mean, that's that's kind of it, and you've had this onslaught of of player-driven tweets and pretty much the consensus is, you know, we're happy to be here. We we love it here. Coach Held with the, the big red end, the side of a helmet, saying, you know, this means so much to me. And it, it's a response to some of the social media narrative that's out there about, you know, there's smoke down at the stadium, uh, figuratively. <laughs> and... You know, there's two types of takes on it. There's skepticism and cynicism about, well, you know, this is all too convenient to have a slew of tweets. Or it could be the players and some coaches saying, look, y'all don't know what's going on. You're not inside the walls. We we love it here. And I'll let you decide for yourself as a Nebraska football fan what you think's going on. Uh, you've had a, a bad PR look. The last couple of three days, actually the last couple of weeks with some of your guys transferring. But the reality is you've got 2021 in front of you. 
Uh, you have a, a chance to do winter conditioning. You have a chance to do summer work. You have a chance, we hope, with this damn vaccine to to, to get a, a camp, right, and be better in 2021. What's better look like? You know what it looks like as a Nebraska football fan. Fewer penalties, more touchdowns and uh, in every game, and better decision-making when it comes to performance and coaching, better execution. It's all right there. And you're you're kind of wanting to to see it, not hear about it, and and that's where we're at with with some of Dirk's commentary. And Dirk Chatlin, uh, guy who used to be on the show a lot, we haven't talked to Dirk in a while, and I, I look at in what he lays out in his story here uh, about Scott Frost's appeal, uh, not only with the connections he has and the stats and what was coming in in 2017. But you have that bravado from a guy that did it at the highest level in Lincoln and then did it at a super high level in the AAC. And you have Scott Frost that that was pretty pointed when he came in and we all listened to and I was at the press conference. You watched the press conference or listened to the press conference most likely as a Nebraska fan and and you heard the narrative. It was swag. It was confident. It was Scott Frost. And in in the last three years, going into year four, you just wonder about the program's confidence because you've not seen it on on the field. And your your leader's got to have confidence. Your your leader's got to exude confidence. And I, I don't honestly think Scott Frost lacks for confidence. I don't think he ever will. I think he is just kind of wired that way. The one thing Scott Frost, and, and I think there was – some people eating crow, crow way that way back in 97 and as a college student i mean the guy got crucified for the arizona state game in 1996 and you know they had an 11 and 2 season and finished sixth and then you know his his kind of coming out party was the the washington game where he was incredible and he led the game winning drive against Missouri and he helped beat the hell out of Tennessee and I mean so he's clearly I'm, I'm giving you his, his player resume but I don't mean to, to do that to fill time I'm just saying just when you're ready to count the guy out he has the mother of I I told you so's and, and that is in the back of my mind because the conversation's been you know the sky's falling in some corners what's going on with the program uh, why are people transferring? And I don't mean to hammer this for for a third day, but that's out there. There there are there are some that are out on this getting turned around by him, and you're just used to that right now as a Nebraska fan base because it's been three or five or seven years where you've you you've punted and you've punted some winners. Not you, the fan base, but I'm saying. Folks who thought it was the right decision at the time. And and, and you paid for it. So this is a long haul. And I'm not telling you everything's okay. I don't think it's good that you've had captains and, and guys in the locker room that people really like uh, leave the program. Now, can you win without them? Yeah, you can. It, 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 so it's not detrimental that way. I mean, it's not good that you have offensive performers leave but it's not like your offense is lighting it up anyway. So you have a chance to get better, and that's what you're all kind of waiting to see. And, and with Scott's 
narrative and, and Dirk went through and highlighted some some moments here the last three years after the Troy loss. The paraphrasing of the quote is, uh, I know where this thing's going. Those who don't want to be a part of it, see ya. Um, after Ohio State in 2019, I know where this thing's going. After the Minnesota loss, I know where this thing's going. There's going to be ups and downs. After the Purdue loss, People's, people see where this thing's going. We're not going to lose sight of that. So you had this steadfast conviction between 18 and 19 saying, look, I, the message is I know where it's going to go. Losing's bad. Losing scholarship players, too. And it's happening at a lot of places. I mean, that that is the reality. You're not alone in that as a football program. And people... Are, are tired of hearing about this, you know, this is the best I've seen, dot, 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 right? Last week, it was, I got to tell you, I've never felt this good about the football team, the culture, and our football team, the attitudes. And that can be right. You can He can be right, and he's way the hell closer to it than, than any of us. But you say that, and then you see those departures, and it just doesn't add up. But both things can be true. You can feel really good, and you're going to have some casualties along the way. But they're they're big-name casualties. And right now, are the words matching the actions? Year two is going to take off. Well, it didn't. We're getting closer in June of 2020. We're young, and we've heard that we're young. This is Scott saying we're young, and then we, we got to get it fixed. So you've got youth, you have transfers, there's some fixing that needs to happen, and you have a situation where even in November, I think our record is, I don't think our record's indicative of where we're at right now, the improvements we've made. After Minnesota, when they were depleted, there's been so much progress. The record isn't what we want. So I, I think we're all at the point right now where you want the coach to, to speak, you want to hear from him, you want him to be honest with you and what he sees. And he's got to, he's got to put a positive message on it. There's got to be a positive spin but in, in all honesty, it, it's now time for, for action on the field. And you can still lose games. And with next year's schedule, you can be at 5-7 and seven if you're not just making stupid mistakes and penalties and helping the other team beat you. I think that's what's driving you, you nuts right now. And that's why it's, it's Charlie Brown's teacher with some of the commentary coming out of the head coach's mouth. Because you, you're just sick of hearing about it. You want to see it happen. And, and I think it, there's, there's a chance for it to happen, but it's going to be difficult in 2021. But you're not young necessarily on the offensive line. You're not old either. I mean, it ain't the, the 94 group of, of four seniors and a junior okay, on the offensive line. But no, they, they have some talent. They got to continue to retain talent. And whether you, you buy it as, as organic and genuine or you think it's propaganda, 
you have a number of players with their social media voice coming out in support of the program. So that is a good response. What will the response be when push comes to shove with uh, Matt Lubick? Is he going to explore an opportunity to be a head football coach? Uh, He's a candidate for an FCS job. It's a good job. His name, his family are, are royalty in Bozeman. Played his college ball down the road at Montana Western. Teammates of his are a pair of current assistant coaches. So if, if things are great and you're about ready to take over more play calling duties, you have a slew of talented wide receivers that need developed, that are young. Alante Brown, Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, just to name a few. You're getting more responsibility. You're making half million dollars a year. Do you take a job that may max out at, at three hundred grand? If things are okay here, that's a fair question. Or you have been an assistant. You stepped away from football. You've always wanted to be a head coach, and you have a chance to go home. Is it not perfect? Granted, you're taking a hit in the wall at two hundred grand, but. Not to count other people's money, but I assume he's okay financially, you'd hope. It's not like he's at the boats playing blackjack with me, losing your ass every hand. So, this will be interesting to watch. What does Matt Lubick do? And there's been more trust given to him with play-calling duties. And you do have the reality of this. You have Frost. As the head coach, who's a play caller, you've got Mario there that here's what my quarterbacks can do well. Here's what I think we should. And I'm, I don't know that his input is part of the game plan, right? You've got Greg Austin, who I would hope people start listening to if they're not to start running the bleep and ball downhill if you're Nebraska. And then you got Lubick. You got four. You got four that you got to get together and powwow for a game plan. And you still got a head coach who loves play calling and designing and is really good at it, has shown the ability to be really good at it. And and now if you're Lubick, you know, where's your voice? You've been given more responsibility. You have that wide receiver group that is going to demand attention and demand a a jump, right? Because they're don't waste the talent that's there. You've already had some talent exit <laughs> in some before you got here. So it's a simple question. Why leave or why stay if you're Matt Lubick? If I were him and your dream has been to be a head coach, get that opportunity, and you can go home to do it, see ya. And there's also theories out there. Are you jumping ship before it sinks? I mean, that, that narrative is out there, too. So then what happens if you're Frost? I mean, you can go either take a hard look at who's on your staff to be an offensive coordinator. God love you if you have that much trust. Or you can go get an offensive coordinator that you know and love and trust and think can be really, really good. Don't know what direction. Don't have to make that decision yet. But you just had... Again, we're, we're not even a week removed from the sit-down with the Journal Star and the World Herald. 
and you had the commentary in the narrative about Luke, you'd be crazy to leave. We want you as a quarterback. What happens? Bang, Luke McCaffrey's gone, and he may have been already gone. Uh, all 10 of my guys are coming back. We're not making any changes to the uh, to, to the to the assistants. We're all good there. What do you hear? There's a, a job opening that that Lubick is in the running for and, and may get. You also hear Georgia kick the tires on Coach Fisher, and that's nothing new because he's incredible at what he's done with development in that secondary. And that culture that he has in his secondary room. And by the way, he's coaching corners and safeties. So it's no good for good. That's smart on Georgia. They eventually settled with West Virginia's secondary coach. But it's not the first nor the last time someone's going to run at Travis Fisher. So all my guys are coming back. One got looked at by an SEC power. Another may take a job back home. Brandon Vogel's next to Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! We say hi to managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine, and author, John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Brandon Vogel is with us at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogels, what do you know? Never dull this week, is it? <laughs> no, um, off season is always there's there's not a lot of good that happens in the off season ever. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that we've we've kind of had uh, this kind of start to this off season. But what are you going to do? You know, it was always going to be a wild one, just with the eligibility and what what that kind of created. But here we are. Is this like John Belushi toga party wild, or is this uh, Wall Street late 80s uh, uh, broker wild? <laughs> um, I, uh, we, we might be... Uh, we Both might may be involve a, cocaine. Well, that's, that's the thing. One of them for sure does. The other one you might have plausible bad deniability <laughs> doesn't. Um, so in, in my in my personal power rankings, the toga party is is a little bit more quote unquote wholesome, I guess. So maybe we're still there. Um, but if uh, we start getting into some coaching changes, which is, is another kind of thing you have to deal with in the off season, uh, we we might we might move up to Wall Street, which which uh, Wall Street's had an interesting week too. Yes, it has. Uh, I I always cringed pre-download era of of Junior shaking me down to take him to a video game store with his Christmas money, and and you know I need he needed to be there to get to get Madden or something that he'd play for two weeks and then forget to put away. The dog would chew it up, and there's sixty dollars pissed away. So yeah, it, it it's it's hit me this week. So with coaching change, what do you believe here? With, with Matt Lubick, and so it, it comes down to this. Why go or why stay, right? And and we kind of just outlined more responsibility with play calling. You got a, a really talented room of young pups you need to coach up in the wide receiver core, and you just got back into coaching. You've only been here a year, brother, um, and uh, you have a chance to, to really help make this offense go. And, and what you did at Washington was was more kind of power downhill run out of a spread look, right? So 
uh, that would be awesome for Nebraska fans and the offense potentially for for 2021. Uh, so that's that's why why you stay right if you're sitting down with your head coach. The other side of it is it's a homecoming. You know Bozeman well. It's a really good gig, and you've probably been wanting to be a head coach for a while, and I think he has. So with with all that's going on here and, and offensive guys leaving in droves and, and the fishbowl that is, I'd get out of here and take a pay cut if I could be a head coach and I've wanted to. Ultimately, what do you think happens? Um, I I, I honestly, I, I don't, I don't know what happens. Um, up beyond, like he's a candidate for that job, and and that makes sense, and it, and it makes sense, I think, from from his point of view as well. Like you know, some coaches are different. Some coaches, like we we think of all of them as kind of you know trying to fiercely get up the career ladder of like, oh, I do this, and then I do this, and then I do this, and then I become a head coach. Um, but there are some, and it's, it's not a lot of them, which is why we tend to think of them the other way where, you know, it's like, I'm going to think about my quality of life. I'm going to think about where I want to live, um, being close to family, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, <laughs> there, there's probably not a lot of coaches that, that left an OC job at, at a power five school to, to go work at a credit union for a year. And that's, that's not a criticism. It's just noting how unique it is. What, what Matt Lubick decided to do. And, you know, he, he's from a coaching family that that probably adds something to like, you know, I want to have a program and, and be in control. And this is my first opportunity to do that. So I think that all adds to it too. Like in terms of the likelihood of him coaching at Montana state next year or coaching at Nebraska yet next year, I kind of view it as coin flip, you know, Montana state has to decide that, yes, this, this is our top option. And then he has to decide if he wants to to go there and take a, really a pretty significant pay cut. And I, I think that could go either way. You know, d- does he believe he'll get another opportunity ever as a head coach is the other side of this, right? Because, I mean, this this is too well aligned to, to not – I don't think – I don't think they'd interview him and not really look hard. Maybe there's a better candidate out there but from a from a worldly college football experience that knows the the land, you're not going to find a better option. Honestly, I mean, so I don't know. So say he says, you know, I'm out. See ya. Uh, this place is kind of crazy. It would feed into the narrative of things are going wrong down at Tenth and Vine. Uh, the players believe otherwise, based on Twitter today, which is cool. I mean, they they are coming out with their own voice saying, you know, things are all good. We all want to be here. Let's get to work. Let's keep working. Where's Nebraska go? Because do you go hire an offensive coordinator that's proven that's out there? Do you delegate to your staff? Because you've already got Mario and, and, and Austin there along with Held, right? I mean, that's there's been a lot of cooks in the kitchen too, Vogues, on, on the offensive yeah. side. Yeah, things get really interesting then. Um if, if that scenario unfolds because they had Troy Walters, who obviously came with them from UCF. That's the guy you chose first. Okay. Um, and then uh, decide to make a change. Um, and you go back to a guy you'd work with previously. So if they're in the market again, 
for an offensive coordinator, potentially, do you go with somebody who's going to kind of challenge the status quo, potentially? Somebody, I mean, think about this. Like, what's the candidate pool there for up-and-coming offensive coordinators? And there's a lot of those guys. Like, offense is the game now. Like, there are guys that want to make a name for themselves. Like, do you limit yourself? You say, okay, you can, you, you'll be the offensive coordinator at Nebraska, but you may not have play-calling duties. Like who's signing up for that? Does that limit your pool? Yes. Um, are, are you are you willing to to bring somebody in from totally outside and, who, and say like I'm opening this up. I, I I need some new ideas and I want somebody who can who can challenge the way that we do things. Now, obviously, you're the head coach, you still have the, the hammer here. Uh, you'll still have con- ultimate control, but I, I I I honestly don't know. Or the other path is, you know. Frost remains the primary play caller, um, which I, I have less resistance to that than, than maybe many people at this point. Um, but he remains a primary play caller. You, you find a guy who can kind of double up as a special teams quarter, coordinator and, and also help you maybe at wide receiver. That's where you'd, be, you'd have a hole in terms of position coaches, but you can always shuffle that stuff around. So, so what do they do there? Um, I think would be pretty telling uh, about the future of Nebraska football. Well, Frost has always kind of gone with guys he, he knows, right? I mean, yep. and and just as a as a current example, you you have the analyst round two coming somewhere, right? I mean, you're you're going that route versus going with a special teams coach. I mean, he made that decision. He made that yep. announcement. Georgia was kicking the tires on Travis Fisher. Right. I mean, you have you have this sit down. We're not even a week removed of, you know, Luke, you're important. Stay OK at quarterback. And then also the narrative of, hey, by the way, all, all 10 coaches are coming back. We're not making a change. And then yep. bang, let's fast forward here. Georgia's sniffing around and and now you have Lubick in, in Montana State. So timing wise, this is all pretty interesting. It, it, it really is, and it's it's a tough spot to be in because there are no, there's no clear like this is the way that works. Do it this way, you know. It's these coaching changes are tough. You know, we talk about it from a head coaching perspective, certainly, but also from an assistant perspective. Like, I mean, we saw this, we saw this during the Riley era with with Bob Diaco in that, you know, that screwed that screwed things up so bad. I mean, there was a lot going on wrong, but that was, I mean, that was, good. that was really bad. It, 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 it did. And, and, you know, and that, and that one kind of relevant local example doesn't prove the point of course, but it's one that we all lived through and digested and talked about and uh, ob- observed up close of, he had a long time coach who'd been with him for a long time and Mark Banker until all of a sudden he was gone in a, in a season after the defense unquestionably improved and, and you brought in kind of the, the big name that was out there at the time and it didn't work out. And, and that doesn't mean that it wouldn't work out this time, but I'm just, it, it, it'll be interesting to see if Nebraska gets there, if that's where they're willing to go. Vogue's uh, got about two minutes here. We may have to do a little overtime with you, but ESPN uh, college football put out their, their tier ranking of college football programs and you know who the, the, the tier ones are, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, OU. Uh, and in, in years past, Nebraska, like at worst, was probably like tier three, right? Yeah. 
knocking on the doors tier two, then the, the teams that are just there. Then there's a tier four, that there's a, a high ceiling and a low four. Tier five is a high floor and a low ceiling. And then we don't know what the hell to do with these teams. Let's just get nuts. <laughs> and, and if they're good, it wouldn't surprise us. And if they're bad, hey, they, they've been bad. And, and Nebraska falls all the way down to tier six with Tennessee, with Florida State, and with Sparty and with Maryland. What's your reaction? Yeah, I hadn't seen that. I, I saw that story out there. I hadn't had a chance to look at it yet. My gut reaction, that's a little bit lower than I would have expected, and I would have expected Nebraska to be pretty low. But, you know, 10 years ago, it probably would have been Tier 2 or Tier 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, it gets, as time goes on from, from 10 years ago or whatever arbitrary date you set like you gets it gets tougher and tougher to to make the case that no it's clearly higher than that um putting it in a boat with tennessee and florida state right now feels pretty pretty accurate you know those teams all have, have some shared struggles over the past decade for sure maryland and michigan state is where it gets a little bit confusing for me so yeah i'm, I'm surprised to find them at tier six I would have expected them, not knowing how many teams are in each tier, to be a, a three, four, five. Mm. So, yeah, it, it, that feels feels a little bit harsh, but I can I can understand why you got there. Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine. Find him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. And get his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogues, we got it handled. We'll talk Saturday. Thanks so much for jumping on, man. Yep, thank you. All right. Good stuff from Vogues. We'll uh, head to uh, Best Bets. Sam Cook in uh, less than an hour. Gary Barnett coming up. Danny Burke on the way. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut Pre-teen Swedish boy. Back into it. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Winding down to Thursday. It is Best Bets time with Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. You hear him with Vizen Sports Network, Rush Hour, his show, Monday through Friday on iHeartMedia and different affiliates across the nation. Pride of Chicago, how you doing, man? What's up? I'm doing well, my friend. We're having ourselves a pretty nice week throughout the NHL, NBA, and uh, coming off a 3-2 NFL championship weekend, so can't complain at the moment. No, you, uh, you're you above that number, and I love it, and uh, you're strategic with with your bets. And when we look at this, uh, the, the reality here is, I mean, the Super Bowl, and it, it's, a, it's a game somebody bets something on, right? And you've got so many states that have now legalized gambling, and there are sports books, and we'll see if, if that happens in the state of Nebraska. But I got to ask you, as a guy who's been in Vegas and, and now is in Chicago doing his own radio show, you know, have you looked into um, some some of the props or some of the action? And specifically, is Tampa one of those teams that you, you had a long shot bet on where you could get a really nice ROI if they're to take care of business and win the Super Bowl? Yeah, so in terms of the props, honestly, I'll probably start looking a little bit more so tomorrow slash over the mm-hmm. weekend 
weekend, and that's going to be the main crux of my focus this whole week leading up to it. I'm sure it'll just be props galore every single day pretty much on the show. And um, But besides that, I did bet the Chiefs minus three, I believe, on Monday or Tuesday. And, and really, you know, I understand how a lot of people can think, oh, that's just recently biased because the Chiefs look so good against the Bills. And before that, you know, they failed to cover in so many consecutive games. But, you know, the, the conversation with this Chiefs team was going to be, and I think you and I were having this, and I think you brought up the point, honestly, and it was, you know, is it going to be this Chiefs team in the postseason where they could just flip the switch, not because they're bored necessarily in the regular season, but because they know they can win these games and they have the talent to do so, so they don't have to act like it's do or die every single game. Something kind of like that philosophy, in a sense, is what we saw maybe during the regular season. And when they were playing the Browns, obviously they're on their way to covering, and then Patrick Mahomes goes out with an injury. People were concerned because, you know, not only because of the injury going into last week's game, but the turf toe potentially. And my thought process was, look, Patrick Mahomes is going to play this game. I'm going to lay the three before it's announced, and that moves up to three and a half. And at some spots, it still stayed at three, and obviously they go out there and they destroy the bill. Now, take away also that punt mishap, and that's an even bigger mm-hmm. you know, landslide by Kansas City. So the way I look at this game, though, too, is that Kansas City offensively just has too much firepower. And I know Green Bay had one of, if not the best, offense in the league, and they're still great against Tampa Bay, who has one of the best defenses in the league. But look at what Tom Brady did, not only in that game, but what he's done throughout a majority of the season. You really haven't seen Tom Brady put it together for all four quarters. This Tampa Bay team has either been slow out of the gates or they've struggled in the second half. What did they do against Green Bay? They struggled in the second half. What, Tom had three interceptions in the second half? You take a game like how they played against, I think it was the Chargers, for instance, and also the Falcons, where they were down immensely to them in the first half, come back and win the second half. My point is basically you can't afford to have a bad half in both quarters against this Kansas City team. They're just too good for you to make mistakes like that. And I don't think Tampa Bay is going to really have the opportunities much you did against Green Bay to get up to an early lead as big as they did because Andy Reid has been here. He's not going to make those mistakes that LaFleur did. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, they're just too good offensively. To, to slow down and not take advantage of all these opportunities and being in the red zone like we kind of saw with Green Bay. So I, I just can't imagine a scenario where Tom Brady plays a perfect four quarters, and I think that's what he's going to arguably have to do unless they can get that run game going and Fernanda and Jones are absolutely dominant because Kansas City's run defense can be pretty bad from time to time, but overall, I mean, we know what the Chiefs are going to be able to do despite how good this Tampa Bay defense is because Aaron Rodgers, like we predicted with the pass completions, they were still able to throw the ball on a consistent basis. It was different than Drew Brees because Aaron Rodgers actually has a good arm and we know how good arm, uh, good of an arm Patrick Mahomes has, so I think the Chiefs are just going to keep their foot down on that pedal. I think they're going to be able to score and I think they're going to be able to win, so but right now, I laid the three. I'm hoping it comes down so I can also play a little bit on the money line, but I do think the Chiefs repeat as champion. Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago, Burke's Best Bets, Hale Varsity Radio, and Beeson Sports Network is where you can hear Danny uh, rush hour his show, iHeartMedia, and uh, across different uh, radio stations around the U.S. for Danny Burke. You know, when I look at this, this Tampa D, and I look at the red zone struggles, as 
great as Aaron Rodgers is, Tampa's D was money. They were so good. And you had that Tampa offense was strategic. End of the first half, and the way they came out in the second half was perfect. Now, the three consecutive turnovers in, in a total of six points is it for Green Bay. The difference here to me is is Mahomes, and I think you're right. I mean, look how many times he had guys in his face last weekend, and he's able to, to focus and still complete a ball. Uh, and, and Mahomes is, is just making plays better than anybody in the NFL at quarterback right now. Clearly you have two teams standing. Uh, Tariq Hill and, and Kansas City's game plan. I mean, I remember the, the first time where, where Kansas City just – went off. They were up 17 nothing, and it was all Mahomes to Hill that first game down in Tampa. Now Tampa battled back, and KC kind of just sat on it, and I give a little credit to Tampa's defense, obviously. I mean, Tampa's got the ability to do it, but I don't think you're off at all, where it's got to be a perfect game uh, by Brady, and it's got to be an, an incredible game by Tampa. Now, selfishly, I'm, I'm really kind of rooting for, for Sue. I'm rooting for Levante David. I'm rooting for Khalil Davis. I'm rooting for for Jason Light, the GM from Fremont down in Tampa. It'd be cool. I don't think the window's going anywhere anytime soon for Kansas City. And we'll, you know, I think you got a. I think you still have a, a, a window that's open for Tampa. But if they could get it done in this first year, that'd be pretty remarkable for this for this Tampa squad. But I, I think you're right. I think it's just too much Kansas City to go against them. Yeah, and, and honestly, the way that I've kind of been handicapping this postseason in particular that's different from other Schmidt is, you know, uh, I have my thoughts and I kind of do my research, and then I sit back after I've leaned one way and I think, all right, which quarterback do I really trust mm. in watching this game that I think, even if they're trailing, if they're up, if it's close, who do I think effortlessly um can really get the job done. And you look at Josh Allen, who was a guy that was a mess to bet against because it was so frustrating because every time he had pressure on him, he'd just scramble away and he would never get sacked. He would never throw the ball away and he would find a way to create the opportunity. So that's how I looked at it with the Bills for the first two games against the Ravens, against the Colts. And then it's okay. Now you're going against Patrick Mahomes, a guy who's perfected what you're pretty much trying to do. Josh Allen was shaky. He had a tough game. It's not the same Allen that we saw all season long, and Mahomes did his thing. So that's kind of how I feel about this, too, like you said and like how I mentioned. I mean, you know, in my mind, Brady has to damn near have a perfect game. Mahomes can probably make a mistake, too, at the absolute most, like we saw the Chiefs do against the Bills, but it was special teams because you know you have the trust and confidence that not only have they been there, but he has the talent within, within himself and around him to make up for that. And I just don't know if Tom Brady does necessarily. Um, defensively, they do, yes, but offensively, that's been really the area that's been kind of gray in some parts of the season. Now it has stepped up, especially against the Packers. Like I said, I just like the Chiefs overall better than I did the Packers anyway. We'll drill down on it next week. Uh, Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago, Beeson Sports Network, uh, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny, thanks for jumping on today, bud. Schmitty, appreciate you having me on. Talk to you next week. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Danny Burke and Brandon Vogel this hour. Next hour, we'll check in with Gary Barnett, get his take on uh, Matt Lubick and uh, that that job he's in the running for at Montana State. The Nebraska situation. Some more on Eric B. Enemy as the Texans have made their hire. And uh, some more college football with Barney. Sam Cook, Pride of Seward, incredible punter. 
with uh, Baltimore. We'll spend some time with Sam Cook, get his take on Nebraska, and uh, talk some NFL and some Super Bowl with him. Love chatting with Sammy. Uh, that is next hour. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. Email might be easier, chris at hailvarsity.com. And uh, give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Damon Barr. That's two R's. Reminder to buckle up, 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So back to this ESPN college football tiers. Tier 2 has teams that are knocking on the door or can knock on the door of a title. That's Florida, that's Carolina. Don't necessarily agree with that with North Carolina. I think they're good, but they'll never get by Clemson. Notre Dame, I mean, they got to the playoff again. They've also had uh, <laughs> they've also had 12 players transfer for keeping score uh, in the portal. Oregon, believe that. Penn State has uh, been good, not this year. Texas and, and then A&M. Uh, tier three, teams that are just like right there and they're your division winner, but they don't win the, the conference championship. And that's Wisconsin and Iowa and Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Then they pack uh, in the Pac-12, SC and Washington, also with Miami. So when it comes to those teams that can either be great or 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 else, right, you, you can't be off. LSU's there, Michigan's there, Ole Miss is there. And when they're good, they're they're really good. That's UCLA and Arizona State. They've not had a lot of success, but when they do, they're really good. Same with Auburn. They're in that tier. Louisville, when they had Lamar Jackson. And uh, you have a high floor. I mean, they're going to always get you eight, nine wins. Uh, or they're building towards that, but they're still just thought of as, okay. They're, they're just okay. Uh, Boise and Coastal Carolina, Indiana, Kentucky, Northwestern's there. Uh, West Virginia and Utah. So Nebraska's in the nuts category along with Tennessee and, and Florida State. And the thing about it, too, is you must have blue-chip talent to, to run, make a run for the title, and blue-chip talent doesn't always translate into greatness. Uh, the thing that Nebraska m- makes them fall into the nuts category with these college football tiers is that they've recruited well. They've recruited well the last five years. And... There's something missing, and it's not a lot, but there's just something missing. Uh, none of these five teams finished with with winning records. I mean, Florida State in their three years is 14 and 20, and Nebraska obviously 12 and 20. Uh, FSU blew out their guy in 19, had a mass exodus. You have Coach Frost for this article as the ESPN.com football gods prognosticate that Frost will open the 2021 season firmly on the hot seat. Disagree with that. The gap between expectations and reality at Nebraska is as wide as anywhere in the country. Ouch.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, Baltimore Ravens punter Sam Cook is coming up. Congrats to Tom Rathman, the pride of Grand Island. He has retired 31 years in the NFL. And he can still lead an eye back into the end zone. We welcome in Hall of Fame coach with Northwestern and Colorado, Gary Barnett. Coach, 15 inches of snow up here in Nebraska. I know you're, you're jealous. Oh, yeah. Uh, we I got five at my house the other day, and I was so angry, couldn't believe it. So uh, uh, we had, we got cold down here too, but not 15 inches. So I, I couldn't live like that, Chris. I I you would be beside yourself. And where you're at in the desert, my mom was telling me that yeah, they got rain, and a little further north there was some snow. But five, you guys got five. Well, we're up about 3,300 feet. Gotcha. So I got I about gotcha. five at my house. Okay. Um, some of the houses up above me had probably got eight. Uh, but then up in Flagstaff, they've they got a foot and a half there. I mean, it's it's packed in pretty good up there. But for the most part down here in the valley, they didn't get anything but some what they call grapple. Mm. Real snow. Um, it'll, it'll thaw out for you, which is good, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's already it's already thought out. It's already it's already uh, melted. I, I a lot of football to get into today. I'm interested in in your perspective on this, and this kind of goes back to some comments Coach Frost made a week ago about more of a delegation to uh, to, to Coach Lubick, and we'll get to Coach Coach Lubick in a moment too. But there there's the thought and feeling. And commitment to to delegate some of the play calling duties so Coach Frost can do more with the entire team, pay attention to different areas. And Coach, I I want your perspective on uh, the play calling side of things and then also when you make that jump to head coach, just how difficult it is to, to be the head coach and also the play caller and then also be able to to, to, to give that up, if even though it's something you love. Kind of take me through dealing with that as a coach, because I know you were a play caller, but you're also a, a head coach who had an offensive coordinator. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it's complicated, I think, Chris, and it, it goes, it goes uh, from one guy to the next. It's, it's not the same for everybody, and it's not the same formula for everybody. Um, in my particular case, when I went to Northwestern, uh, the f- first thing I was doing, I was putting in a different offense than I'd called before, uh, because I felt like that was the way for us to go. And, uh, I felt like at Northwestern, I had a lot more things to do than just calling plays. I mean, it was a, from the ground up, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I turned that over to Greg Meyer and then about two years in or three years in, I just decided that uh, we couldn't win the Big Ten with a throw-it-all-over-the-place kind of offense because we could never get our defense prepared. So 
Uh, I changed at that point in time, but I kept the same coordinators, same coaches, et cetera. But I just, I just went to a much more ball control um, offense. When I went to Colorado, uh, you know, I, I sort of wanted – they'd been running a system – West Coast system, and, and I was going to keep the coordinator from the year before that was already there, Tom Cable. And because it was also not totally new, but somewhat new to me, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't call plays there either. I went ahead and I wanted to have some continuity between the, the last two or three years and my year. So I left Tom in that position, and he did a great job, went on to become a head coach, and then now been in the NFL for a long time. When I give advice, Chris, to young coaches who are going on to become head coaches, if they've been a play caller and that's how they're known, then I tell them to keep going. Coach, we got you still. Hello? Can you hear me? You are very... Chirpy, we we lost you. Well, I lost you at advice, and then I'm like, oh no, <laughs> oh, no, I'm here. I'm here. Try it again. So the advice. Okay, so just the advice I give them if they if they've been a play caller, stay a play caller because it's hard to go back and be a play caller. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you know guys get hired into the NFL or other hit jobs because they are play callers, defensive play callers or offensive play callers. They're gurus. They're not management guys. Uh, but it, it's, all, it's all different. And, um, you know, sometimes guys, you know, Bill McCartney uh, had to step away from even keep putting the headsets on because Eddie Crowder said, you're, you're screwing up all your assistants. So it just happens. And it just, you know, it depends on where you are on your program and, and what you need to do to make it better. And, th- and that's ultimately the decision that Scott is making here. What can I do here to make this all better? Is it hard for gurus to be management guys? Um, no, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, when you think about it, Jimbo Fisher is a play caller. Okay. Yeah. Um, is he a management guy? I, sort of think it looks like he sort of is. Um, Gus Malzahn was a play caller. Uh, Of course, he's looking for work, but he was a pretty good coach for what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think it just comes down to to each individual. I mean, I think you can do it. I think it's it's harder, but you've got to be able to delegate all your defense to somebody and all your special teams to somebody. And not everybody can do that. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, Nebraska has reacted uh, with uh, more transfers, the portal, and you had Cade Warner, who's the son of Kurt, who was a captain, uh, head to the portal for, for more playing time, and towards the end of this year didn't, didn't get much playing time. And then you had Luke McCaffrey. You know the McCaffrey's in Colorado. And, right. and and Luke uh, saw some time at quarterback. They went back to Adrian, and the the knee jerk by a lot of the fan base and some of the fan base has been, you know, there's something wrong with the program when you lose Wandale, when you lose McCaffrey, when you lose Warner. Uh, really good locker room guys that just want to go elsewhere. Um, there's that side of it. 
We're not inside the walls. The other side of it is it it, it is what 2021 is. It is what 2020 is. And the, the fact that there is a portal and, and no uh, penalty for, for transfer anymore. How do you view it? Is, is it a bad look PR-wise? Maybe. Is it, it, does it represent what something deeper is wrong with the program? What was you, what's your view from afar on it when you're losing guys like that? Yeah, it could be any of those things, Chris. I think you're right. The, the best thing you said was we're not inside the walls. And, um, I, you know, I saw the Luke McCaffrey story yesterday, and then I went, I went and looked at just how many other people are losing players. And Arizona State's lost 12. Arizona's lost 14. Uh, Colorado's lost eight. Uh, the average is about eight to ten right now, mm-hmm. and so um, and and it's part of it is the predicament of COVID, the predicament of fifth-year guys uh, that can come back, but schools not not finding the aid. I mean, you take a place like Colorado, where a scholarship's worth about fifty grand, and you just suffered through a COVID year. Uh, it's hard for them to uh, uh, ante up and come up with that kind of money for eight or nine guys again. Uh, other schools don't have that problem. Cost, the cost of attendance isn't that high or scholarship isn't that high. But, but each school is a little bit different. And uh, I think it's too early to judge whether there's some. Uh, and I think each program is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, a place like place like Arizona changes coaches. So there's going to be a lot of guys change. A uh, place like Colorado where, you know, they have eight, but and everybody's looking at it the way you are, or, or fans are looking at it, oh, my gosh, what's going on? But but there's a rhyme and reason for every, every one of those guys leaving. In reality, through the years, 50% of your freshman class want to leave at some point in time. There's never been an avenue for them to do it. Our tool now there is, and so it's made it real easy for guys to just change schools, and that's what we're facing. So it's you've sort of got to let it just sort of settle in after a couple of years and see what it's really going to look like. Um, I think before you you make a big judgment, but I think every fan is always worried about what it looks like to the outside. But um, I think it's important to understand everybody else's. <laughs> all the other schools are experiencing. Much the same thing. On the topic of quarterback, did you take guys that you were wowed by the athleticism that you knew might be a project throwing the football? And if so, was there a position change proposition? I mean, that, that whole dynamic as a, as a recruiter, as a, as a scout, to, to bring a kid into your quarterback room specifically and hoping – that that he'd hit his upside and it, it's early it's too early i mean mccaffrey's uh was a redshirt freshman i mean the reality is adrian's here right so you don't know if you're going to be able to beat him out or or play and when he did play you had different roles depending on the game uh did you ever experience a situation where we you went after a quarterback you brought a kid in and you're just like oh man i just I don't know that that timeline on on when to keep pushing and, and and grinding and developing versus, man, I just don't think it's going to work. You need to find a different spot. Yeah. Oh yeah. It always happens. Uh, you want to take the best athletes you can take, mm-hmm. and and then you'll find a spot for them. And and a lot of the quarterbacks coming out of high school are the best athletes. So 
uh, you, you know, you, you, you tell them that you're going to give them a chance. And then they, they have to, you know, they have to see it themselves. They have to see that, you know, this is not going to work out for me. And then it's easy to make a position change because they all want to play. It looks a little bit different because he had a chance to get out. He played. Uh, you know, Luke probably doesn't think he played poorly enough to be replaced. But, uh, you know, the head guy or the quarterback coach or coordinator saw it differently. So, um, and when you've got a guy like Martinez who's been there for years, it's hard to recruit another guy. I was surprised, uh, really, when Luke went there. Mm. Um, because Martinez is there, and, you know, it's hard to knock him out of that spot. Mm. So everything's a little bit different, but yeah, I always wanted to take as many good athletes as I could. I took as many defensive linemen as I could take so that I could move them over to offense. Um, <laughs> you know, just usually their athleticism is, sure. is a step above offensive linemen. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, Matt Lubick uh, knows Montana State well, knows Bozeman well, uh, is up for the uh, head coach opening there. Have you seen or heard of a guy leaving a, a Power 5 OC gig to, to take an FCS job? And what would that say uh, about him departing? <laughs> Everybody's going to read something into there. The only one I really know is that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, head jobs are hard to get. I don't care what level they're on. Yeah. They're hard to get. And there's, you know, the way Nebraska's performed offensively, there's nothing says that what he's done is going to get him a head job somewhere else. So you got to take them when they come. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get tired of working for other people and you want to, you want, uh, you want to call all the shots. That's, uh, that's, that's true. That's, that's a fact. And, you know, if you're Lubick, I mean, this, this aligns pretty perfectly. I mean, you'd be going home, right? And sure. Knows it well. Sure. So, okay, got a couple of minutes, and uh, I, I'm, I'm going to try and find chicken wings. I know the world will consume, or at least the U.S., 1.4 billion chicken wings for, for the Super Bowl. Have you mapped out how you're doing your wings next weekend, or are you doing wings? Oh, yeah, I'm going to do wings. So I, I buy the, they're, they're already split, the drumettes, they call them. Yeah, the yeah. Size. Yeah, or, or not the thighs, but the other part. Mm-hmm. And, and I am, you know, I buy them already split up. And so they're easier to cook. They're a little easier to eat. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to smoke them. I bought uh, a little buffalo uh, uh, mix to put on half of them and some salt and vinegar mix on the other for, for Mary. So, uh, yeah, I got it all lined up. takes me 50 minutes in the smoker at 375. See, we've, we've been doing air fryer like the last three weekends I've yeah. been doing. And those are, yeah. I'll do some Old Bay, right, with some, some butter spray and salt and pepper. And those have turned out really well. Obviously, the 15 inches of snow have hampered the smoking opportunity. <laughs> but um, the, the, the salt and vinegar, though, are those pretty awesome? They are good. They are good. And some of these barbecue places carry the, the, um, the rub for that okay and so I've, I've found a place that's got it so and you know we spray a little olive oil on them yeah on those sides a little bit in the smoker and they just crisp up a little bit that's the way to do it i got to check out that salt and vinegar that sounds good coach we'll uh, give you a shot next week if it works and, and preview the super bowl excited for it and thanks for your insight uh today on on the coaching and talking some nebraska with us always appreciate you 
Okay, Chris. Thanks. Great being with you. Have a good weekend. You too. Take care. There he is, Gary Barnett with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, pretty good stuff. Great perspective. And uh, love hearing his thoughts just on being there as a head coach on the quarterback stuff. Take the best athlete. Hope it works out. Uh, and, and the head job. You know, if you're, if you're Lubick, got to think about that. And, you know, where do you go if you're Nebraska? If you do need to find an, an offensive coordinator. Well, Baltimore's had a punter. Now going on 16 years. Sam Cook up next with us on Hale Varsity. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time to say hello to a pro bowler and uh, the uh, longtime punter for Baltimore, Sam Cook, back with us. Sam, how you been, man? It's been a while. Doing good, Chris. Just uh, enjoying the offseason now with the family. Just, you know, watching these games these last couple weeks and just wishing we were still playing. But just wasn't in the cards this year. But we're doing good. I, I got to ask you, you guys were, were right there. And uh, Baltimore is always uh, a threat. And you're not that far removed from a, from a Super Bowl. For you personally, man, I mean, you've, you've done 15 years. You've made Pro Bowls. You're just a staple when it comes to the, the the world of punting and special teams. How did you deal with th- this COVID season? And I know you had to, to deal with COVID yourself. Do you mind taking us through your experience? Yeah, it was just, uh, you know, mentally it was exhausting throughout the whole COVID experience because from July 24th till I ended up, contracting covid we were testing every day occasionally we would have to do a rapid test with a pcr test if we ever got in close contact and so granted it was just the swab of the nose rather than having to go all the way in the back but you know it was just mentally exhausting because every day you had to amount for an extra 15 minutes for testing and going through and getting your temperature checked two to three times each day, but and then you having to make sure you wear connexons. It has to be on on you at all times, tracking close contacts, where you've been, and it was always keeping track of that day in day out, and making sure you took the responsibility that you weren't close to, enough to somebody for longer than six minutes each day because somebody contracted it, then you know you would be close contact, and so it was pretty. Uh, pretty mentally exhausting but you know and it's one of those things you got to fight through adversity and in football and it was one of those things we did did a great job of that as a team this year and you know made that playoff run but yeah it's it's in some ways it's nice to have to not have to test anymore but it sucks that we're not out there playing i was going to say you've been on championship teams how how close is this group? And in the NFL, obviously things can change, but uh, you've got Lamar at quarterback. You've got a really solid O-line. Your defense, I mean, that always is a real thing in Baltimore, and your special teams speak for itself. But, I mean, this team's not going anywhere. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, these our group of guys, it's a remarkable group of guys. Our rookies that came in this year are just, 
some of the best rookies I've I've seen come in in 15 years. They come to work. They don't, you know, complain. Go to meetings. They're responsible on top of guys to be around and and the chemistry that you know, as a young guy that brought to the team along with the older veterans, it was a solid chemistry this year and. I look forward to having that opportunity next year with these guys because we got a great group of guys. Sam Cook is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, Pro Bowl punter for Baltimore. And chemistry can be a funny thing uh, on on each level of football, right? And and you've seen uh, some years where there's chemistry, and some years that chemistry's kind of got to grow. What are the keys to chemistry, in your opinion, for a, for a pro franchise? Well, I think it's one of those things, the older guys, you know, looking up to the uh, the older veterans, asking for advice. You saw a lot of that this year, and the uh, the veterans, you know, taking that leadership role and and bringing those rookies under under their wings and teaching them what it's like to go through this long, long season because, you know, college seems so short until you get into – the NFL and that's 16 weeks with or the 17 weeks with the preseason and then if you make it to the postseason got to understand the magnitude and just everybody buying into the one system you know I think plays a huge role and by the leadership that we had this year these guys were remarkable with Calais and Mark Ingram and even some of the younger guys like Lamar Jackson you know the types of things that they did this year. It was it was very cool to see, and so everybody buying into the same same uh, like paradigm and just sticking to that plan. Do you get to see practice? Obviously, because you're there. Uh, does Lamar just kind of wow you? You've been around, and I mean, you're you're there. You see the, the best of the best every Sunday. And what's your take on Lamar as far as his athleticism? Yeah, so uh, as far as Lamar, like he's the guy is just a spectacular athlete, and watching him come in uh, on his first couple years to seeing where he's at now and the type of progress that he has made and confidence that he he instills through his throwing and his running and out there at the on game days is pretty cool to see and. You know, it all comes with the amount of work that he's been wanting to put in. He's put in a lot of work, a lot of work in meetings, a lot of work out on the field and trying to get better and building those relationships with receivers and O-linemen. And it's just, it's very cool to see. And, and you hope that more and more rookies that come in start seeing that and paying attention to that. Sam, tell me about your work ethic. You've been a longtime vet and you're regarded as, as kind of a, a a trendsetter with just the, your your repertoire of pitches because you're a guy who works on his craft. Take me through, you know, how you keep getting better, how you keep refining uh, because you're kicking in all sorts of elements. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I, yeah, I'm just never satisfied. It's like you can have the greatest game and it could always be better. And so having that mindset is just, putting that forward each day, going out there and doing the things, the right things, the necessary things to improve in every aspect of the football game, whether it be through meetings, in the weight room, my nutrition, the way my body feels, paying attention to that. Just a lot of things that go into it, and I'm always trying to find ways to become better 
and improve any sort of aspect of the game or or my lifestyle. Sam Cooks with us on Hale Varsity Radio. How did you eat in college, and when did you start eating and paying attention to nutrition in the NFL? How did I eat in college? Jeez, well, at Nebraska, you just you had the buffet that you ended up just going there, and whatever they had, you ate. So it was one of those things. I came in as a as a red shirt freshman at like one ninety five, two hundred, and by the end of my uh, red or my true freshman year, I think I was two forty two. Wow! And so I had my fair share, but we also we also did a ton of lifting with. Dave Kennedy as our strength coach at that time, we did a ton of lifting and, you know, between that and the, uh, the food, I put on a lot of muscle, and a lot of weight, but also knowing that once I got into league, I didn't need to be the biggest guy on, you know, mm-hmm. as far as like a linebacker style. So it got to be more about learning how my body's responding to different lifts. So I got to make sure my I'm flexible enough to get up through my punts and finding those ways and those little intricacies that allow my body to be in the best shape for every game. And it takes, you know, it takes years and years of trying to find that, that rhythm and that routine. But throughout all those years, you know, I finally found a good routine that is pretty consistent. I try to make sure my sleeping's consistent and, you know, first and foremost is making sure the body's in the shape that it needs to be to go out there and practice every day and, and to be at the top of your game. Sam, what was your Super Bowl experience like? Yeah, you know, uh, the, the, going to that first Super Bowl, you know, we always hear Ray Lewis is like, you won't appreciate it until you've actually been through it and then once you've been through it, then you realize how cool it is, and that makes you want to get to it more and more. Well, when you go through that first Super Bowl and actually ever getting the opportunity, all you're thinking about is, man, just going out there and playing the game. But then you realize that you just kind of lost out on all the experiences because you were so focused on the game. And I think that's what drives me is wanting to be able to get back to the Super Bowl and experience everything that went went with a Super Bowl and and just being able to have that experience to sit back and reflect on. You were so locked in the first time, you just didn't enjoy the ride, so to speak. Is that fair? Exactly. So locked in, went and did my practice and tried to treat it as much of a normal week in football as I, as I do every week. And throughout that, it was like, you go to practice, you go to your room. My family was out having fun in, in New Orleans. And that's fine, but me, I, my, my job was focused on making sure I did it to the best of my ability and and making sure I stayed focused on the game. couple more minutes. Sam Cook with us on Hale Varsity Radio, uh, Pro Bowl putter for Baltimore Ravens, uh, another uh, playoff run this season. So you, you have Tom Brady now down at Tampa, and for years it always seemed to come down to Baltimore and New England. And, of course, you've got Kansas City, and, and you've had a couple of showdowns with the Chiefs the last two regular seasons. Are you shocked, not shocked, that Brady's taking another team to, to the Super Bowl? I mean, it just shows you. The guy The guy has people that just, you know, they, they want to play good for the guy. And I think he, as a leader, insists that with his guys. And you see guys like, 
Edelman and Woodhead go up there and just be great receivers and everybody's on there because, you know, they are trying to help out Tom Brady. And you see how good he is as a leader and how everybody responds to that. It's just so cool to see him take that Tampa team and be able to go to the uh, playoffs as much as I'd like it to be, you know, us instead of the Chiefs down there. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it is what it is. But it's very cool to see, and I look forward to watching that game. Patrick Mahomes watching him do his things, it's it's an extraordinary thing to watch. Sam Cook, uh, some some background noise there. We'll spend a few minutes with uh, Sam Cook on the other side. Love checking uh, in with Sam and Tell you what, Sam was so is awesome, and his career's been phenomenal with Baltimore, the Pro Bowls, and, and where he's at. And uh, they're right there. The, the Ravens are, and he's such a big part of that. We'll spend some time here uh, next segment talking Nebraska and uh, his career. But really, uh, I've always appreciated Sam, and great dude from Seward, and just a just a phenomenal career. And with Sam, just. His Super Bowl experience was a lot of fun. I, I hope they get back because he's there and he was able to send Ray Lewis out with one. And, um, man, uh, Sam Cook just still killing it in the NFL. Good for him. We'll have some, t- some comments here on Deshaun Watson where he wants to go, but more with Sam Cook on the way with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Few more minutes. Former Husker standout and Pro Bowler for the Baltimore Ravens, Sam Cook, with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Sam, uh, what is special teams worth? And, and I mean that not as a, a, an idiot question, but can you kind of put it into words? What special teams is worth on a given Sunday in the NFL? I ask that because that's big. A, been a big emphasis for Coach Frost in Nebraska as they're trying to get their special teams up and I know the NFL are, are two different levels the NFL and college are two different levels but just uh, what what is that third phase uh, what does it mean on a Sunday well it, it, it means a lot obviously your, your punt team and field position is of utmost importance and having the, the strong core with that and the kickoff and the field goal I mean, it plays a huge part. And as a field goal or as a special teams unit, if you can go out there and produce a one positive play or as in some ways that we put it, like get like three or four first downs, Mm -hmm. we are adding value. And to be able to go in there and have that one big play each game to change field position or create a turnover adds a lot of value each game. And being on special teams as long as I have, you try to go out there, and you only get that one opportunity to create that play, and you got to make the most of each and oppor- each ever and every opportunity. You know, in some circles, you're the most accurate passer in the history of the NFL. Well, yeah, in some circles, let's not get too carried away. <laughs> what you're seven for seven on fake punt completions? Whatever that I have no clue. I just go out there when they called. I throw that, throw it. So I throw the ball and make sure it's a completion. Do, how, do you? How many times do you practice in a week throwing the football? Um, I mean, it just depends on what we see. I mean, I throw the ball every day at practice. Yeah. Um, before the game, I throw pat and goes, and <laughs> um, you know, do all that type of stuff. So I, you know, I I throw a lot. That's pretty cool. 
what have you kept an eye at all on Nebraska? Have you watched from afar? Oh, yeah, I, I always keep an eye on Nebraska. What what's your take on things? You know, I you know knowing not knowing Scott Frost, but the type of leader that he was when he played at Nebraska. You know, I I see you know positive things happening, and I have all the faith in in him and the team that they got there and. You know, it, it, it's sad that I, I, I hate to see Nebraska lose, and I want them to get back to the way it was in the mid-'90s and the early-'70s and stuff like that. But it all takes time. And finding that, that chemistry that we were talking about earlier, it just it takes a group of guys wanting to, to find that chemistry together and be able to create a winning football team. Sam Cook's with us. Sam, last thought. So when you walked on at Nebraska, I mean, because your high school career at Seward, you played O-line and D-line and fullback and tight end, and you also obviously kicked. Was it was it kind of pitched to you to kick at Nebraska, or did you become a kicker at Nebraska? Uh, that was one of the things. They recruited me as a linebacker slash punter kicker. And, you know, Coach coach didn't want me to come on and do the punting and kicking see how i liked it when spring ball came around the next year if i wanted to do linebacker then i could go try that but after a year of just focusing on that i realized you know i enjoyed that trying to get better at that and uh just focus on that from there on out there's not a, a lot of, of of linebacker punter combos is there <laughs> that's pretty cool no, I don't believe so anymore. I mean, I think uh, during my time there probably was some some guys that were like that, but anymore it's just more or less specializing in punting and and kicking. Sam, uh, best to you and your family, and enjoy the off season. Stay uh, safe and healthy, and thanks for a few minutes with us. Absolutely, I appreciate it, Chris. Call anytime. Thanks for having me. There he is, pro bowler from Seward, Sam Cook, Ravens. Good perspective on the Chiefs, on Brady, on Tampa, and just where the Ravens are at. 15 years now going into year 16. And pretty good perspective, too, on just dealing with COVID in the NFL, how they had to get going. But, man, uh, he loves Nebraska, hopes they get things turned around. And here's the deal with Sam, man. Sam, Sam's a really big-time weapon with all the, the punts inside the 20 and flipping the field position, you know, him from a, a few fake punts with some, some of the passes. He's been laser accurate, but also <laughs> he's, he's ran a couple of either two-pointers or touchdowns in or some first downs. But that linebacker-punter combo is so cool because he's sitting in there in the weight room just throwing up plates and everybody in the Baltimore Ravens training sessions like dude don't mess with our punter because he will kill you so pretty good so the saga of deshaun watson's getting uh, a little bit more hairy here as uh, adam Schefter reporting today that a trade request has now been (laughs) been verbalized by deshaun watson uh, and it's not that old. I think a couple of weeks ago is when it has happened. The new head coach is David Coley. He's not going to try and alter Watson's thinking. And you have the new GM is Nick uh, Casario. 
in uh, Jack Easterbay, a couple of New England hires. So you had Watson sign a four-year deal for $156 million. That was the extension through 2025. But nobody gave him a, a heads up that Hopkins was going to be dealt. And and you saw the the record this year for the Texans. You saw the social media of, of J.J. Watt walking off with Watson saying, we didn't do enough for you this year. I mean, he's had back-to-back years of 70% completion percentage. He is awesome. And he is a guy that is absolutely self-made. Deshaun Watson grew up in a house that was built for by Habitat for Humanity for him and his family. And I think uh, Warwick Dunn, honestly, is uh, charity's the one who, who did the Habitat for Humanity. So... Watson had to earn everything he's ever had in life and was kind of a, I don't want to say forgotten, but an unheralded three-star quarterback. And and look what heights he took Clemson to. Many times I would go, suck it up. You're a pro athlete. You've got a ton of money. Just go do your job. I kind of side with Watson, not kind of, I do side with Watson. And the question is, is what can you get for him if you're the Texans? Can it work out for both parties is the question. Because, I mean, I, and I really like Bill O'Brien with what he did at Penn State. He was a, a just rubbed a lot of dudes the wrong way because, honestly, and I know he, he's, he won in Houston, but he's a college guy. He's a college guy, kind of like Saban was a college guy. And eventually, the guys who need and want the most control, like you have to have in college, didn't always work in the NFL. And you see him working for Saban now. Because he went from New England's OC to Penn State, and then the Texans side of Now, from a quarterback standpoint, I mean, did pretty well. But, I mean... You need to to make a move here. Find a a spot. Maybe it's Miami. Maybe it's the Jets. We'll wind down a Thursday next on Hail Varsity. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time Thursday. Good stuff. Danny Burke had his best bets. Some early thoughts on Chiefs and Bucks. Brandon Vogel, we're talking Matt Lubick and Gary Barnett about the uh, transfer situation with McCaffrey and making that jump from offensive play caller to head coach and the, the, dele- the delegation side of it. And uh, really enjoyed the uh, convo with uh, Sam Cook, Baltimore Ravens punter. Tomorrow, Russ Hochstein, a little more Brady intel from the uh, Pride of Hardington. So Russ Hochstein, former Patriot and Chief, going to be with us. Uh, Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey, and yes, the Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman. Just got a text back from Tom Rathman. Tom Rathman going to lock in with us next week, so that'll be fun. Numbers to get in, 466-3776, 466-3776, 800-825-5865. So, 
GameStop, Damon, I know there's a hold on things, but were you able to sell your shorted shares? And are we go- are we going to go yacht shopping? Uh, I'm not selling yet, Chris. I'm holding. That is unwise. We can't do anything, right? I've already had a loss, man. I got I got to at least break even here. Oh, I see. But you, didn't you just borrow though? Didn't you? I'm just gonna give it back to you. See, I'm, I gonna, I'm gonna borrow the shares. I'm gonna just hang on, and then I'm gonna sell them. I'm going to hit my profit, and then I'm going to give you your shares back. I, I wish I had those luxuries, but unfortunately, I am not a, a hedge fund manager yet. Well, you, you've got this battle here. I mean, it's it's the underdog that's three touchdowns, and we'll just call Wall Street Big Bad Bama. Right? So are, did you watch uh, Margin Call or The Big Short? Have you seen either of those movies? Uh, no, I've been looking into watching The Big Short lately, but I, I have not seen either of those, no. Okay, yeah. Mortgage crisis 101. How many homes do you have? A nice, sweet-looking little, little stripper? Oh, we have eight. Really? On your salary? Eh, didn't have to put any down. Uh-huh. Great time. Great time. But uh, do you do any online stuff? Uh, yeah, I do a little bit of a stuff. I just like short or long-term growth kind of things, not short-term growth kind of things. Damon not- right now is going, excellent. I have what I- can I short next? <laughs> I got ideas now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Boom goes the bubble. So, yeah, no kidding, right? So I, I got to ask you, you're, you're here tonight because we have Lincoln East hosting Southeast, and we'll have that coverage here on ESPN Lincoln locally at 720. I know Doug Duda's on the call tonight for some high school hoops on 1460 and 1550, Carney Hastings, Grand Island, so enjoy him. And I'm sure uh, Gus and crew up in Columbus have some basketball to cover as well, uh, if not now, but in the future. So I, I was going to ask you what's for dinner, but now I know. Whatever you brought, what would you bring with you? What's in the uh, fridge? A tall glass of water today. Uh, that's it? <laughs> yeah, do, you have a, do you have a rough one? Do you have I, another uh, party? I, I ate lunch around like 2 o'clock, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold out until I just get home and find something in the, in the fridge, I guess. Did you hit the steam room or something last Saturday <laughs> after the show? Did you get all that, that box wine out of you? Uh, I might have gone right back to bed, but uh, I guess that's a way to do it. Good for you. Look at look at Damon just rallying for more. Back at you tomorrow at four on Hale Varsity. Uh, tune in locally, ESPN Lincoln. You can stream at ESPNLincoln.com for some hoops tonight at seven twenty.